We love and appreciate you so much. A couple weeks ago, I started this series um, that I'm calling Stretched, and I actually chose a theme song for this, and I was supposed to have played it a couple weeks ago, and I didn't even give Josh a chance to play it. I just started preaching, and he was looking at me like, what, did you forget something? I think it was Josh. I remember who's, I think it was. Anyway, so I thought uh, today we'd actually, uh, this is, this is, uh, is going to be our theme song for this series. Here we go. Uh, that's enough. You can fade that out. Thanks. Oh, that's all I can take. I've already, already taken it to the limit. Um, just thinking about covering that, because that's right in my range, my vocal range. Yeah, I was thinking about trying that. <laughs> we began this uh, short, I think will be a short series, a couple weeks ago, in part one, the series we're calling Stretched, admitting something that we would rather not have to admit, and that is that we all have limits. We all have limits. We have time limits. We have financial limits. We have moral limits. We have emotional limits. We all have limits. And our tendency, partly because of the culture we live in and because of the way we're wired, our tendency is to try to take life to the limit. That is, to max everything out. To cram everything we can into our schedule, to spend all of our money the way we want to spend it, to get emotionally stressed out, to push the limits morally, to ask the question, how close can I get to sin without actually sinning, and just find out where all the lines are, and we just sort of max out, and we live at the limit. The problem with that, we said a couple weeks ago, is that when we live that way, you end up squeezing out all the margin in your life. And we all need margin. Margin, we define it this way, is the amount of space available beyond what is actually needed. And personally, it's the space between our current performance and our limits. We have to have margin to thrive. Having margin financially means that you have money left over at the end of the month. Having margin emotionally means that when there's a stressful thing going on, a stressful situation, a stressful conversation within a relationship, that you have enough emotional headroom to deal with it in a healthy way. To have margin morally means staying far enough from certain moral lines that even if you were to go over a line that you've set for yourself, you haven't crossed a line morally, and you haven't created a disaster, and you haven't set into motion certain inevitable, unescapable, unescapable consequences. We all need margin. Could, how many of you, I'm just curious. I, I could stand a little more margin. Basically, these are kind of the facts of life when it comes to time. These create the context for our mostly one-way discussion today, okay, about how to create margin in our, in our schedules. I love it when preachers talk about, well, we this and we that, and we're going to have a discussion. Well, really not. I'm going to talk to you, and you're going to sit there and tough it out for 45 minutes. So anyway, the first thing is this. Your time is limited. Your time is limited. You're like, I don't even need to write that down. I would encourage you, if you take your time, a person writes things down to remember them, I'd encourage you to write that down because we forget this. Because as you think about the way that you schedule your life, you probably schedule your life like most people. You schedule it as if you have unlimited time. You keep adding and 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 adding. And somebody says to you, what are you going to stop doing? And you're like, I don't know. I never really asked myself that question. I've never asked, you know, what, what am I going to stop doing? I've always added and added. And now I'm adding and adding and adding. And I say, yes, 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 yes. And it never occurs to me that maybe I need to stop doing some things. It's because we often function. We function as if there's no limit to our time. The truth is your time is limited. You will be forced to live within certain limits. That's just a fact. Second fact is that all of your time is going to be spent. Every single second you've been given will be spent doing something, right? Think about that. You don't have leftover time. You don't get to the end of a week and look at your calendar and go like, look, honey, I got 45 minutes of extra time. What should we do with this? At the end of your life, right before you die, and you think you're taking your last breath, you can't pull out a box out of your closet and go, uh-uh, I'm not kicking off today. I got all this unused time I've been saving up. I got six months stored up here. I've been saving. Not going anywhere. You can save money. You can't save time. Every single moment you've been given gets spent. You don't save it up. 
You're like, come on, Todd, this is so simple. Really, this is what you came up with? I was hoping you'd give me something significant today. This is so obvious. I don't have time for this kind of stuff. I know, I know, I know. But listen, if, if we'll take these simple facts of life and you set them beside how we actually spend and invest our time, we act and we make decisions as if we can find some extra time somewhere. We say things like, well, I know that's important, um, but I'm going to have to do that later. I'm going to have to do that later because I've been, I've been saving time for that. We say things like, I know that's important, I'm going to do that later. I, 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 how does this work? How do you save time to do that later? I know, I know, but I'm in a busy, it's a busy season. I, I'm going to slow down later. Later, 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 everything has, just has a later. As if somehow there's a guaranteed later out there, like a big box of extra minutes that we get to use later to make sure we get around to doing all the important things. And every single moment of your life will be spent. You cannot save any of it. And the f- third fact is this, that somebody is going to determine how you spend all your time. Somebody will determine how your time is spent. If your time is limited and you spend it all, someone's going to determine, determine how it's spent. You have a limited amount, it gets spent, someone gets to determine how it's spent. For most of us, the person who determines how it's spent is us, right? I mean, we determine it. You have your own date book. Does anybody actually use a date book anymore? I, did, did, I don't some of you maybe do, but um, those, those of you don't reply to text messages. Right. Um, did, did any of you, how many of you had a Palm Pilot back when those were, yeah, I know, man. That was some cutting edge stuff. And you had to get your stylus out, and you got like four minutes of battery life out of it. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now you got your calendar right on your phone, don't you? And you can pull it out right now and in 10 seconds. You can tell me what you got going on for the next six months. Nobody... Nobody gets to enter dates on your phone, on your calendar, or on your print calendar but you, right? I mean, you get to keep your own calendar. Hopefully, you and your spouse sit down and your family and you talk about uh, how we're going to spend our time this week or whatever. But basically, you are in control of your time and you are the one who determines how your minutes get used up. For some of us, you'd be like, oh, yeah, part of it's me, but then there's a group of people who determine how my time gets spent. My kids, hello, determine how my time gets spent. My boss determines how my time gets spent. My pastors always needing stuff done around the church. They determine how my stuff, my time gets spent. And all of us, all of us know the incredible frustration of feeling like our time is, out, is just not our own, that we don't have any say in getting to the end of the week or getting to uh, having a list of things that are important or at least important to us, and, and we just didn't get to it because somebody else had their hooks in our time and they caused us to spend our time in a way that maybe you know, was or wasn't profitable, but we didn't get to make the call on it. Either way, it all got spent, right? I mean, it's Sunday morning. Last week is behind us. And I have this tendency, like you probably do, on my to-do list, that when I roll around to Friday and I got things that didn't get done, I just go on there, change the date, and it's going to get done next week. But the truth of the matter is, last week's behind us, and all the time from last week got spent. It's gone. We don't get any rollover minutes to use this week. And somebody caused us to use our time in a certain way. Here's the problem with these two scenarios. Whether you're in control of your time or whether somebody else is in control of your time. At the end of the day, at the end of the week, at the end of the month, at the end of the year, both because of our culture and because of the way we're wired, what happens is when we're in control of our time, we tend to allow the urgent things to push aside the important things. Right? I'm just going to let that Now, this is not news for some of you, but maybe you're just like, wow, it's true. Sometimes the things that we know are important just don't get done. The things we know should be priority somehow either don't make it onto the calendar or maybe at the end of the day they get bumped down to the next day. You know, we'll do that later. So we don't take care of our bodies, we don't exercise enough, and we don't spend enough time with our kids, and we don't spend enough time nurturing our marriage and having meaningful conversation with our spouse. And we don't spend enough time nurturing our marriage and having meaningful conversation with our spouse. And we don't spend enough time investing in life-giving relationships, oh, and having meaningful conversation with our spouse. And by that, I don't mean, well, who's taking the kids there, and who's that, and when are you working, and what about that, and I've got to go to the store. I'm talking about meaningful conversation with our spouse. We don't spend enough time relaxing and rejuvenating. 
and we don't spend enough time serving others, and we don't spend enough time alone with God. And I could stand here all day and go, I got a long list. I could pile on the guilt. I could make us all feel like this big, and we could play a slow, sad song, and man, we would just feel miserable, and then we could go home. But uh, all these important things that we don't do, and we're like, you're right, you're right, I know, I should do better. Can't wait to get back next week for some more of this. This is so helpful. Thanks a lot for beating me up. But nobody, we don't argue with this. But look at your calendar. So we say, well, if I know it's important, why doesn't it get on there? Why do I keep moving it down the list until, you know, it gets bumped to the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day? Because when you're in charge or when other people are in charge of your time, when, when we're in charge or someone else is in charge of how our moments get spent, the tendency is to allow the urgent things to push aside the important things and to push them outside the boundaries of what we can actually accomplish. Because we think later, and later still hasn't come. And if we sit here, and for the most part, you probably would agree with that. You're like, you're right, you're right. Family's most important. Marriage is most important. Time with God, that's most important. But when you're in charge, or when somebody else is in charge of your time, the urgent tends to overwhelm the important, and, it, 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 and there's never margin. So here's what I think our Heavenly Father would suggest. He says, you've seen what happens when you're in charge. You've seen what happens when other people are in charge. What if you let me be in charge? He says, what if you let me be the, have the password to your calendar? What if you surrendered that part of your life to me? What if you said, Heavenly Father, I want you to be in control of how I spend my time? It's a little scary, isn't it? Because you're like, well, I'm busy, yeah, but I can handle it. Listen, this is, the mo- this is what we're going to discover today. But the most logical thing you can do is to surrender your time to your Heavenly Father. Here's why. Because He's the one who gave you your time to begin with, and He's the only one who knows how much time you have left. Because your time is limited. It's all going to get spent. Somebody's going to control how you spend it. What would it look like if you surrendered control of your calendar to your Heavenly Father who gave you the time to begin with and who knows how much time you have left? Here's what the Bible has to say about this. This is a verse from the book of Job, and here's what Job said about uh, his time. This is Job chapter 14, verse 5. Let's don't have to look it up because I'm just going to read it and move on, but this is, this is great. It says, a person's, days are num- or, a person's days are determined. You have decreed the number of his months and have set limits he cannot exceed. And Job is a bit of a weird book. But this I understand. He says, God has determined the number of days. In other words, your days are numbered. Every time you get up in the morning, you know, you put another check by the day, you know, before, you know, it, before and it's like, it's over there. And all the minutes got spent and you didn't save any of them and you didn't get to roll any of them over. You haven't got a stash in your closet where you put all your extra time and drag it out when you need it later. It, it's, not, it's not like sell minutes and vacation time. You know, they're gone. You don't get them back. And Job says that God knows the number of our days. You cannot add to them. It's totally up to God. So here's the question. If it's true that our days are numbered, if your days are limited, and they are, if all your moments are going to get spent, and they will, and if only God knows how much time you have left, and if God is the one who granted you this number of days to begin with, wouldn't it make sense, wouldn't it stand a reason that we would go to Him for wisdom about how to spend those days? interesting too that all through the scripture we find God extending people's lives and taking people's lives and, and when, we, when God extends someone's life we're like yay God and God takes someone's life we're like he's evil you know and uh, we can't have it both ways so God gets God just gets to say and I don't really know how that works that's just you know that's my that's my take on it I just I don't understand God you're God you figure it out and I'll just Jesus tells a parable about a guy who thought he had lots of time because he had lots of stuff. He had lots of stuff, so he thought he had lots of time. Turns out he had no time. Story about a king in the Old Testament. He thought he was about to die, and God says, no, you're not about to die. I'm about to give you more days. And he gave him 15 more years. Yay, God. God controls the number of our days, and he knows. And our days are, 
are limited. So why would we not bring to him our time? Why would we not say, I'm going to schedule and I'm going to prioritize the way that you lead me and our family to schedule? Why wouldn't we do that? I mean, isn't that a logical place to take our time and schedules and our commitments? I don't know. Maybe you're here today and uh, I don't know everybody in the room, but maybe you aren't sure how you feel about the Bible and you're not convinced that it's something that should be taken seriously or as authoritative, you know, um, the book of Job especially, because, you know, if you start there, you're going to wonder what is going on. It's such a strange book. So go read it. And so you're like, I don't know, Todd. I, don't, I just don't know. It's probably safe to say, regardless of where you're at in that spectrum, it's probably safe to say that almost everyone in this room believes that somehow, in some way, God knows exactly how many days we have. That's not even to say that he necessarily controls them. That's another level altogether, because there's, there's the whole free will thing. And, you know, so, but, but we would probably agree that he, at very least, knows. I mean, he operates outside of time, so he's already in our future. So if you can get your brain around that, you can... Check, 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 one, two. Can you hear me now? Okay. <laughs> You want me to talk louder? Is that what you want? Louder and faster. He's like, just faster would be good. Get this over with. Battery, your battery has limited time. Talk faster. I had no idea where I was. Oh, yeah. Here's how I know that just about everybody in the room believes this idea that God knows the number of our days. Because if you were to get sick and the doctor were to say to you, you have six months to live, let me ask you a question. If you get that diagnosis, you get six months, would you pray? Well, I don't know. I haven't prayed in a long time, so I think I'll probably just let someone else do the... No, no, you pray. You would pray. At the very least, you would ask, why? Hello, God. You know, you're like, I'm not sure I even understand how prayer works, but if it works on that day, I'm pretty sure I'm going to give it a shot. In that scenario, you might say, I don't even know how to start this, God, but do you forget about me? What's your plan here, God? Because in your heart, you believe that God knows, and that God knows exactly how many days you have, and that every day you have is a gift from God. And that somewhere out there, there is somebody who knows the limit and has the power to extend your life. Um, Most of us believe that, and if that's what you believe, then why would you not go to your Heavenly Father and say, God, I've run my schedule, and I've seen what happens. I've let other people run my time, and I've seen what happens. What would it look like to bring it to the one who gave me this time, who created time, who knows how much time I have left, and in light of the fact that my life is limited, who knows what's most important? Why wouldn't I do that? Why would we not bring him our time and our commitments and our priorities and our schedules? Why not? When we come to him and surrender our time and commitments and priorities and schedules to him, here's what happens when you do that. You will end up with margin. Because when you surrender your time to your Heavenly Father, He's going to lead you to a schedule. He's going to lead you to commitments. He's going to lead you to a set of priorities that will lead you to the things that are most important. The most important things in life happen in the margin, in the downtime, the leftover, the extra, the unstructured. I want to give you three statements as we talk about allowing God to create margin in our lives. And the first one is very much in keeping with what I've said so far. We'll put these on the screen for you. Creating margin begins by recognizing that your days are numbered by God. It begins by recognizing that your days are numbered by God. You know what this means? It means that you only get to be a teenager one time. Okay, teenagers, ignore the adults in the room right now. Because, no, I actually am... Yeah, for a lot of you, no, how cool would it have been, though, for those of you who are like, oh, good, to, have, to get the, a chance to go back and do it over. You'd probably do some things differently. So for those of you who are teenagers right now, I just want to remind you, you get to be a teenager one time. So I, th- I just want to encourage you to do everything you ought to do when you're a teenager now, while you're a teenager, do the things you ought to do. Do the things that God leads you to do to focus on the important things that he f- leads you to, focus, to focus on. Because you only get one chance to get that stage of your life right. Because your days are numbered by God. It means you only get to be a 20-something once, although some of you are desperately, desperately trying to hold on to that. I just want to say to you, give it up. You only get to be 30-something once. Some of you, yep, you're 39 and holding. You think you're fooling people. You only get to be 40-something, 50-something, 60s and 70s, whatever, once. In other words... 90s in your 90s once. In other words, creating margin, allowing God to create margin in your life begins when you realize that our days are numbered by God. There's a limit, and God knows the limit. Your kids, listen, 
Your kids who aren't in the rooms, we can talk about them, will, will only be toddlers once. Your kids will only be preschoolers once. Your kids will only be in, gra- in grade school once. They'll only be preteens and teenagers once. Don't miss it. Don't be fooled into thinking that somehow, somewhere down the road, you can make up for lost time. That's a ridiculous statement. That you can save time in a box and use it later. Your days are numbered. So that's the beginning. You know why that's the beginning? It's the beginning because as you lock onto that thought, it'll give you the perspective that you need to help you prioritize in a healthier way. Here's how the psalmist said it. This is Psalm 90, verse 12. And I put a card on every seat today with this verse. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. This is a prayer. This is a prayer of the psalmist. And I'd like you to actually, let's, let's just say this together if you're comfortable with that. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. In other words, the psalmist, who actually in this case happened to be Moses, he said this, that if you want wisdom for your schedule, wisdom for the use of your time, wisdom for the kinds of commitments that you should make and that you should decline, it begins by realizing that your days are numbered. And once you realize, oh, okay, my days are numbered, that's right, suddenly you will have wisdom and clarity about how to spend the minutes and the hours and the days that you have left. Think about it this way. What if you were to find out tomorrow you had a week to live? How would you rearrange your schedule in light of the fact that you had one week? I mean, some things would definitely change, wouldn't they? What if you found out you had one month to live? You would probably rearrange some things in light of that news. What if you had one month or six months God says, you only have one life to live. I mean, that's it. You get one life. You get to be a teenager once. You get to be a 20-something once, a 30-something, 40-something, whatever, once. Your kids are only toddlers once. They're only preschoolers or in grade school or preteen or teenagers once. You get to do this once. So how then should we do it? How should we live? I mean, because it's clearer somehow. It's easier if you think you have six months. It's easier if you think you have one month. It's crystal clear if you think you have a week. But God says to us, you've been given one life. How do you live in the light of the fact that your days are numbered? Because they are limited. And Moses said, when you lock in on this thought that your days are numbered, from that thought will come the wisdom you need to spend your time and invest your time wisely. That's what he means, to gain a heart of wisdom. It's when we think we have unlimited time. It's when we lose sight of the fact that our time is limited. It's when we think that it's just going to go on forever and there's always a later. It's when we think we have all kinds of times to enjoy our kids at this stage. We have all kinds of time to pour into our kids at this stage. We have all kinds of time to teach them what they ought to know about their Heavenly Father. We have all kinds of time to show them what a healthy marriage looks like. We have all kinds of time to get this right. We have all kinds of time to work on that stuff later. It's all going to work out because we'll make up for it later. That's when we lose our margin and we live at the limit and oftentimes not even enjoying what we're doing with our time. I found this video this week. This is actually kind of a remake of an old story. And uh, we've told the story here before, but this is kind of just a, a more uh, contemporary spin on it. So just uh, you'll watch this. I heard an illustration the other day where someone used a marble to represent every weekend they have with their kids from the time they're born till the time they leave their house. It came out to about a thousand marbles. A thousand marbles. It kind of sounds like a lot, but before you know it, those weekends start slipping away. For me, the hardest thing The thing that really broke my heart was realizing how many handfuls I've already thrown away. So much time wasted. And what do I have to show for it? Life is precious. And even though I've squandered a lot of my time, Now I cherish each one of these marbles. I guess you can say that seeing how much time I waste has changed my perspective on what's important. Careers and hobbies are good things, 
but they certainly aren't the ultimate things I had made them before. I guess this life is all about perspective. And even though I know I can't spend every weekend with my family, I can certainly try. I can't believe before that I was so dedicated to the things that don't really matter. Me? I've got 728 marbles left. And I can't wait to enjoy each one. Our, uh, our time is limited. So the question is, how should we live? How should we spend our time? Psalm 39, David wrote this in verse 4. He says, show me, Lord, my life's end, and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. That is, if we recognize truly that our days are limited, and not just the days of our lives, but the days in the different stages of our lives, if we will come to grips with this, that time doesn't stop for any of us, then from that realization will come the wisdom we need to prioritize accordingly. So the second thing flows from numbering our days and realizing that God has numbered our days, and that is to prioritize accordingly. If we know that our days are limited, if we know we only have so many days while our kids are at this stage, we only have so many days while they're teenagers in our home, we only have so many days to work on our marriage until with, while our kids are still at home so they can know what a, what a healthy marriage is, we only have you know, so many days to work on our finances so we can learn to be generous for the sake of others and for the sake of the gospel. We only have so many days to invest in friendships and relationships. If we know we only have so many days, then we will prioritize accordingly and we will invest our time in those things that will matter for eternity. In Paul's letter to the church in Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, um, the apostle writes these verses, and this is what he says about time. Apostle Paul in verse, uh, verses 15, 16, 17 of Ephesians 5. If anybody knows how to run the thermostat, you feel free to turn the heat off. That's not what he said, sorry. But that's what I was just thinking. And it came out. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand. I love Paul's teaching style. He just says, understand. You don't understand? Well, I'm just telling you, understand. What? You don't understand? Well, let me help you. Understand what the Lord's will is. Because your days are numbered and limited. Don't be foolish, but be wise. Get the most out of the time that you've been given. And understand what God's will is. Can you give me verse 15 again? Be very careful. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Get the most out of the time that you've been given. And then he says, then he says, understand. Then he says, understand what God's will is. He goes back to what the psalmist said. He said, as we realize that our days are limited, there is wisdom to come from that. Paul says, walk wisely. Apply wisdom. Prioritize your life around the fact that you have limited time. Get the most out of every opportunity. Here's a question we ought to drop into our scheduling. Every time that we sit down with our spouse... and I, I hope you do this. But every time you sit down with your spouse and you have these conversations about your schedule and you plan out your week or your day or whatever, and every time we look over our kids' commitments, and I hope you really look them over, and every time we say yes to another time commitment, every time we have, uh, that we have to say no to another enriching, replenishing opportunity, every time that you go to enter something into your calendar or to write something on your date book, here's a question that'll reprioritize your scheduling. It'll lead to margin. And it comes from this verse in Ephesians. And I come back to this principle time and time again. And it's this question, what is the wise thing to do? What's the wise thing to do? I'm not talking about what's legal and illegal, what's moral and immoral, or what's profitable and what isn't. Everybody you know, everybody else is doing it, so I'm not really talking about that kind of stuff. I'm talking about what is the wise thing to do. In light of my past experience, in light of my present circumstances, in light of my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? In light of the kind of marriage I want to have, 
in light of the kind of relationship I want to have with my kids when they're adults, in light of the kind of family relationships I want to have right now, in light of the kind of legacy I want to leave, in light of the impact I would like to have for the sake of the kingdom of God here on earth, what is the wise thing to do? Is it wise to add this to my schedule? Is it wise to say yes to this opportunity? Is it wise to commit to doing this? Is it wise to say, I'll be there? Is it wise to sign my kids up for that? It's, you know, it's just a few Sundays, just you know, completely going to consume uh, uh, several weekends in a row, but you know, whatever. This isn't about right and wrong. This is about wise. It's about what is wise. In the light of the fact that our days are limited, in light of the wisdom that I've gained from realizing that I don't have unlimited time, that my kids are growing up way too fast, that my relationship with my husband, with my wife, isn't going to get any better on its own, that it's been a long time since I've done anything for the sake of someone else, what is the wise thing to do? I'm telling you, you add that question to all of your scheduling and all your planning, all your calendar making, and all your committing to things, it'll make a difference in your thinking. Because here, you know how we plan? Here's how we plan. Here's how we make scheduling decisions. Well, let's see. Let me look at my... Yeah, we don't have anything else going on Thursday night. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. So, yes. Oh, Friday night's open. Oh, yeah, we'll be there. Let me look. Oh, Saturday afternoon. Let me see. We've got a three-hour window between practice games, birthday party, yard work. Yeah, no problem. Sign me up. And if somebody were to ask you, what are you going to subtract? <laughs> You're like, what? Because when it comes to our calendars... We don't subtract. We just add, 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 add. And our calendar is like a big balloon and we're just slowly blowing up with air. And it's not going to burst. We've got plenty of time. We've got plenty of capacity. We've got plenty of margin. I'll tell you, there have been times in my professional life and in my family life that we've been better at this than other times. For years, we've operated with a calendar on our fridge. And it's got a line for all four members of our family. And there have been plenty of times when we've had to plan family time. You ever had to do that? You ever thought about doing that? I'd suggest you do that. Anyway, we had a plan family. It's sad that we had a plan family time, but at least we, we were so busy that we said yes to so many things, we had a plan family time. So we used to take the marker and just write a big X through an evening because that's our family time, which worked for us. But a while back, some of us, um, not me, but some of us would feel guilty about that. Someone would ask us about getting together or helping with this or what about that or here's an invitation to do something. All good stuff, right? It's all good stuff. And the person on the other end would ask if we had anything going on on such and such a night, which first of all, it's none of your business. And, but they would look at, we would look at the calendar and if there was an X through the date, we would feel guilty for saying that we had left the night open for family. So we would end up erasing the X and writing something else in. Family can wait till next week. We'll do family night next week. Until someone in our house came up with this brilliant idea, and we don't really do it so much now, but there's a time that on the nights where we were going to protect our family time, we would write the word something on the calendar. Something. So when people would call and ask about that evening or that weekend or that afternoon, that time slot, can you help with this? Can I talk to you about whatever? Can, we, can you help? Can you come do this? Can we? We'd look at the calendar and we'd honestly say, I'd love to, but we have something on the calendar that day. <laughs> And it really helped with the guilt, apparently. So, um, you know, why do we feel guilty for saying, sorry, I have something planned with my family? But in light of the past, in light of what's going on in your family right now, in your schedule, and emotionally, and relationally, and financially, is this wise? Sometimes we've got to say no, because it's just not the wise thing to do. Oh, it's a good opportunity, but it's not the wise thing to do. The Apostle Paul says, in light of what's going on in our culture, the days are evil, he says. We're being pushed to the limit. He says, you've got to live wisely. In verse, uh, verse 17, he says, understand what it is that God wants from you. Understand what God's will is. Have you ever struggled to know God's will for your life? Have you ever been there? Like even say, not for a long stretch of time, but like for maybe one day. You weren't quite clear what God's will was for your life. And you're like, God's will right now is for me. And I'll put my hand up. <laughs> so anyway, thanks, Michelle, for putting your hand up. I appreciate that. Uh, We've all struggled with this, okay? Here's how I know we've struggled with it. Go to any, I don't know if you ever go to Christian bookstores. There used to be this thing, there used to be bookstores, and then there used to be Christian bookstores too. And uh, shelf upon shelf upon shelf, on, like whole sections on God's will. So apparently people struggle with this, and you and I have too. And I'm just going to say this. Clarity about God's will comes when we begin to see that our time is limited, and then we begin to prioritize according to our limited time. 
I just got to say something to, to, to you hard-charging, type-A, got-to-get-it-done kind of people because there's a few of you in this room. And some of you think you are, aren't. Some of you don't know you are, and, but that's okay. I border on that sometimes, not as much as you might think, but I can go there. When we talk about this, the idea that you might have to say no to something, there's a fear. And the fear is, if I bring my schedule to God, I'm not going to be productive. I'm just going to be sitting around, you know, going, honey, what do you want me to do? Well, I don't know. What do you want to do? Well, I don't know. What do you want to do? I've got nothing to do. I'm just going to sit around the house eating chips and drinking soda and watching TV all day. It's great. But it'll all be good because my family loves me. I'm not talking about that, okay? It's really not what I'm talking about. God, I believe our God is a God of productivity. He made you to be productive. And applying this principle will not make you less productive. It will probably make you more productive, and here's why. This is a big secret, okay? Your capacity is not determined by how much stuff you can cram into your schedule. Priority determines capacity. Priority determines capacity. As you begin to prioritize in light of the fact that I have limited time, I can't make up for it later, I can't save up for it, I can't put some time in a box and bring it out later, I can't make up for lost time, all my time is going to be spent, I'm going to go ahead then and put the right things into my schedule first. Non-negotiables. And what you'll discover is that your priorities determine your capacity. Your capacity for your time, your schedule will be determined by your priorities that is what you put on your schedule first and what you make most important. Here's, what, here's how I, I know that this, uh, this is true in the everyday world. As most of you probably know, or some of you know, uh, I work a few days a week. I thought, I thought you would at least humor me on that, but Ben got it. So <laughs> I work a few hours with, uh, a week with, my, with our friend Kevin Braley in his moving business. And uh, Braley and Sons Movers, there we are, right there. So yes, and I have been and I have been asked if I'm the son. Just just gonna say, so. So um, what do you mean no way? He's like three years older than me. So yeah, that's right. We lug heavy things, put them in a truck, drive the truck down the road, and we lug them again. It's just like rocket science. It is, yes. Sometimes we'll meet a truck that's coming into town. We did this this week, and we'll unload the truck for a customer. We did it twice actually. And we'll unload the truck for a customer. Sometimes what we find when we open the door just makes us go, like, what happened here? You know, like when the gun safe is sitting on the leather sofa and Grandma's Best China is, you know, under seven boxes of books. And we're like, what, I, what is going on? And I've been doing this with Kevin for um, almost five years. And it didn't take us long to realize that packing the truck was my specialty. And uh, I found that the hours and hours I once spent playing Tetris finally prayed off <laughs> and prepared me to become truck boy with Braley and Sons Movers. <laughs> this is what I know about loading a full truck. In order to load a full truck, there are certain things that need to go into the truck first. That's why we load your beds and dressers and large square items first. Right, Corey? Because when the load's about five feet deep in the truck and it's got a good base and there's lots of space, then there's some margin for what those of us in the, indus- in the industry call <laughs> light and fluffy. That's right, light and fluffy. And uh, so in go your bags of clothes or your stuffed animals or your boxes of feathers or whatever it is that you, you know, other miscellaneous things like maybe this one right here. But um, that's exactly the kind of thing like with the the trucks three quarters full. Oh, don't forget my bowl sculpture. I hope Kevin gets to hear this because he'll never understand what's happening right now. For the most part, I understand, this, I, I enjoy this kind of challenge. I like three-dimensional puzzle, and especially when it's like life-size. Um, it's kind of challenging to me. But one thing is definitely true. We always have, no matter the job, have a limited amount of space. Whether uh, it's Kevin's truck or that's 16 feet long, or whether it's a 26-foot truck that we've rented and it's so much bigger and taller and all that, we have a limited amount of space regardless. And when it's full, it's full. So in order to get everything in that we need to get in, things need to be packed in a certain order. And then just to up the ante, if you want your stuff, your stuff to survive a ride down secondary roads in Maine in the springtime, it definitely needs to be packed a certain way. Oh, oh, and sometimes, sometimes there's just no way it'll all fit. Sometimes it just isn't going to happen. There's just no way. 
So if it's super important to that customer that grandma's piano gets to their new house, that piano needs to go in early. It's priority. Because it's not going to fit on top of the Tiffany lamps. <laughs> it's not going to happen. And on occasion, the customer has to decide what items am I okay with leaving in the garage for the new owner? Because it's just not going to fit. So we have to prioritize because the capacity of the truck is determined by the priority that we load things in. There's a limit, just like our time. But in terms of how much we get in and how much margin we have, it's determined by priority. This is a spiritual truth. As you begin to allow God to help you prioritize what goes on your schedule, when it goes in, you'll be amazed at your capacity. You will accomplish things that really matter because priority determines capacity. So God says, I want you to begin realizing there's a limit. And I want you to surrender all of your scheduling things to me. Allow me to determine your priorities. I want you to begin to put the big things on the calendar first, the non-negotiables. Make sure the important things are taken care of first. And then watch as I increase your capacity and your margin at the same time. I think the only way to truly understand this is to surrender your schedule to the one who gave you time to begin with. Who knows how many days you have left and has given us this incredible principle. So I guess, I guess maybe now the question is, how, how do I know what's important? How do I distinguish between the important and the urgent? As you begin to apply this principle, as you get more committed to this principle, it becomes clear what's important. The psalmist said, in this process, we will gain a heart of wisdom. This wisdom will lead to clarity about what's important, what needs to be priority, what needs to go in first, and what's urgent. And as you learn what's important, the issue becomes having the courage to make sure it's the priority because it's going to require maybe some change in the way that you approach life and your family. It's going to take courage to make sure that it gets on the truck and the other things can just be left behind. Real quickly, I want to give you the third point and I'm going to wrap up. I don't know if I can explain this, but I'm convinced it's part of trusting God to lead us to margin. This is the one that requires some time. So it probably means something's got to go to create time for this. This is the one that when you hear it, you're going to go, I don't have time to get margin. If that's how you get margin, just whatever. I'll do life the way I'm doing it. Third point is this. Allowing God to create margin involves making your time alone with God a priority. So if you're wondering about what are the priorities, what are the non-negotiables, let's just start right there. Maybe the thing you have to give up is sleep. Maybe you've got to get up earlier or stay up later to have time alone with God. Making your time alone with God a priority. Let me try to explain this. If you learn to order your days, there'll be wisdom that comes from that. And if you'll, become, if you'll begin to prioritize according to the wisdom that God gives you through that process, and that if, practically speaking, you put Him first throughout your day, then in time, your Heavenly Father will lead you to a place of margin as He renews your mind and as you focus your attention on His agenda for your life. I know why we push back on this. There's a lot of fear in play here because we think, well, first of all, if I don't do as much as I possibly can with every waking moment, then I won't make it. Well, that depends, I guess, what it is. I don't know, but I won't make it. Whatever it is, I've just got to stay as busy as possible. Or number two, if I don't do as much as I possibly can, I'll fall behind. Like, fall behind what? Fall behind who? Well, if I don't do as much as I possibly can, I'll be poor. Well, let's, let's define poor, first of all. Poor compared to whom? Too poor to visit another part of the world to see what poor really is, probably. If I don't do as much as I possibly can, it won't be acceptable. To whom? If I don't do as much as I possibly can, I won't measure up. Again, to what? What is it that drives you? I just want to say, if you've spent the last few months or years letting someone else control your time, or maybe you've been fooling yourself into thinking that you're in control of your time, and it's getting you nowhere. It's getting you nowhere that matters. If you come to realize as an individual or as a couple or as a family unit that, God, our time is limited. In fact, it's running out. You know how much we have left. You gave it to us to begin with. So teach us to order our days as if we only have one life to live. And your Heavenly Father will answer that prayer and He'll lead you through wisdom to a place of margin. So I guess my question today as we wrap up is, are you willing to bring this front and center? I mean, this week, like starting like before tomorrow morning. 
Maybe it's today as you sit down with your spouse to talk about the week ahead or you, or you sit down with whatever, whoever, however that works in your family, or maybe it's never happened, so this would be a good day to do that. But would you be willing to go ahead and put first things first? So on your seat when you come in today, we left a little card with a face of a clock on it. Um, you probably just picked it up and threw it in the seat pocket in front of you, but just, I just, would you just hold that for a second and just look at that? These aren't my words. This isn't something I found in a book. This is, this is, these are the words uh, from Scripture, from Psalm 90. They're the words of Moses. While you're holding that card, that little picture that will let represent our time this week, let's just read this verse again, these words of Moses, because this is really, I, I could have just repeated this verse for the last hour, and it probably would have been all we needed. I don't want to manipulate you or orchestrate anything, so um, just, just take, take a look at the words. And if that's where you're at this morning, then let's, as, as a group and as individuals, let's, let's just, and as family units, let's, let's read this prayer together, okay? Now that we've got the context, if that's where you're at, let's read. Heavenly Father, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, today, we're just remembering that every day that you've given, uh, that we have, is a gift from you, this very moment. We want to spend them wisely. So God, teach us to number our days. Give us an awareness that our days are numbered and that you know how many days we have left. And in that process, God, grow our wisdom in that area. Help us realize that we only have one shot. We only get one shot to get this right. So give us the wisdom we need to live at every moment the way it should be lived in order to bring the most glory to you. Bring this to our minds every morning this week, all through our days this week, that we might gain a heart of wisdom. Heavenly Father, for the people in this room, the men and women and teenagers whose lives are just so full to overflowing with stuff, they wouldn't even know where to begin subtracting. They're afraid of what that might mean and what that, the fallout might be. Give some individuals, give some couples, give some families, give some teenagers courage to make sure that the first things are in there, that they're the most important things their relationship with you, their relationship with the people in their lives. God, lead us to a place of margin. Lead us to a place where we can love as we've been loved, where we can serve as we've been served, where we can truly be the hands and feet of Jesus in the body of Christ. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Just listen to this song, would you? There is peace. 
Keep